So welcome to SimTalk, a member of the Boca Jazz Podcast Network. My name is Ben Schumann. Uh, I do have, uh, I have done several mini episodes in the past and today I'm very pleased to do my first interview with a very interesting simulation practitioner. I ran across him uh, about a year ago when I first saw him on LinkedIn and Stack Overflow answering lots of questions about any logic. Uh, and then we sort of got in touch uh, and we talked um, over the phone and he told me a very, very interesting story of him becoming a successful freelance simulation consultant. And that just struck me because you don't hear that a lot in, in this industry. So I hope this is going to be a, an interesting conversation. Welcome to SimTalk, Philippe Haro. Yeah, thank you for having me here. And I hope I can give value to anyone who is listening. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. Um, okay. Philippe, where are you from actually? Just share a little bit about your background, maybe up until you started doing simulation, just so people get to know you a little bit. Well, that's a, maybe a long story because I'm 37 years old at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I will make a little bit of a summary. Uh, I was born in the US, raised by a German family in Chile. So I feel Chilean. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's why I want Chile to win the World Cup if they ever get into it. And I studied electronics engineering in Chile mm -hmm. and is the bachelor and also the electronics uh, specialty. And after that, I worked as an electronic engineering engineer, like, but at the end, it was more like a software engineer. I developed my own company for software development. And at some point I decided, I discovered this, when I, I was doing simulation projects in fact, but building them from scratch using uh, languages like Java, even PHP. <laughs> Interesting, and so you did that as part of your, your first company, I assume. Yeah. Yes. Okay. How, how that was that clients asking you to do that, or was it just? The it best was no. It was just. Uh, it was just kind of developing games for different companies, and we were getting these projects. We were. It was kind of simulations, and then now I th I think about it, and running a simulation engine in any logic behind these things I did in the past would be much better than what I did in the past. But I didn't know about the, this technology, in fact. So I was doing everything from scratch. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, but that's what happened. And so you actually built um, like an event scheduler that runs in the background, takes care of all the, all the background stuff that we don't typically see. It was more like agent-based kind of things going on. Uh, I never, I didn't have in my head like a discrete event thing, so I didn't do it because it, I didn't have that in my head. Mm -hmm. like, I was kind of improvising in a way, you know. Now, now that you mention it, I, I think it's probably it's interesting if you are somebody who doesn't know any simulation and you're supposed to build a simulation, you know, model a real system, you would probably natively code it as an agent-based system. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's the most. I think that's the most natural thing to. You won't call it as, as a system dynamics. This is crazy. And discrete events and discrete events and agent based is kind of the same thing at the end, even though the way of thinking 
is different, mm -hmm. but at the end, it's kind of the same, right? Well, discrete event has a very specific sort of framework, I would say, right? It's a specific way of seeing the world, which is very much in tune with manufacturing, whereas agent-based is much more free, you know, flexible. Yes, yes I agree. So, yeah, you can say it's like discrete events. It's kind of a subset of, of, of agent-based. Like, that's how I see it, at least. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so in that, in that first company, you, would you say it's business games that you coded? It was business games, as transportation, markets, simulations, uh, different things. But and what were the purpose of those models? Uh, this was long, a long time ago, but for example, there was a, a project when, where you, have, you were like the, the mayor of the city and you, had to, and you had this model behind that produced all the, how, the, how people moved between one city and the other, or how, how the traffic flow flows on the roads, on a very simplified road uh, network. So cool. And uh, I don't know, a, a lot of features. That was a really long project, like one year. Uh -huh. And so you have a, a lot of things that you, it's very, like you hear them and you say like any logic does it. And yeah, and, and the, the, the idea there was to optimize the strategy, the strategy you made, like creating roads, new roads, for example, or uh, I know, like investing in different things, like putting traffic lights. I, I don't even remember <laughs> the exact details. Yeah. Uh, but it was all these kinds of things. But I'm, I'm wondering, was it um, did your clients or your boss or whoever, did they want a game to learn about the concepts of road concession or whatever? They, they wanted to, it was, that, that project was, a, we were hired by a university who wanted to use this for, to teach uh, transportation uh, concepts to students. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that's, what, that's what we did there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And how did you how did you then sort of join the simulation world and probably yeah? So this so my mother, in fact, <laughs> who works in the United Nations, went to a course like a small course on system dynamics, and we talked about it and said, "This is like this simulation is this is this really exists like this is per, like this is, fits so well with what I'm doing and I kind of." can build this knowledge much more. And it's so interesting because I was already doing it and it was much more interesting than just being a coder or a software developer. Mm -hmm. Even though I was managing a team at, this, at that point, but I, I, it had my interest and I, I never did a master. So I said, okay, you know, I really want to do a master in Europe because I always wanted to do it. So mm -hmm. I applied and I got the scholarship and everything to study like this Erasmus Mundus project in Norway, Italy, and the Netherlands. And um, was, that, was that specific on simulation or what kind of project? It was specific on system dynamics. Ah, right, okay. But so it was cool. a mix of system dynamics and MBA. So your mother, uh, it's, it's, that's really funny. So you should really listen to your mother always. I'll take that to heart. You shouldn't? No, you should, you should. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not like she told me like, hey, go do this. It's just we were talking about it and I, th I thought it was inc incredibly interesting. 
Very cool. So the funny thing is that during these two years of study in system dynamics, they barely touched the concept of agent-based and discrete events. Why it didn't they? exist. It's like, it's like they want to hide it from the students because, <laughs> they, because system dynamics is kind of obscure. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. Like uh, they, it, it gives you the feeling at the end that you have one hammer to solve all the problems. And one tool, like, um, but they touch a little bit evident based, like in one class, <laughs> it was. So I think this this is not very good in terms of becoming a uh, modeler because then you know what what else you have. So that's that's interesting. But that does resonate with my um, very limited exposure to this uh, to the system dynamics community in that they, they really always try to solve problems just with that one method. Uh, and they do know about the other things, but they've never touched them. They're really good at system dynamics, so they just, they just go at that and try it. I think in, in general, they know the concepts. Like people who are professionals in Vensim or uh, Stella, these so system dynamics the, uh, softwares, yeah. they know about the concepts of agent-based or discrete events, but they don't know how to develop them because they're they're very used to do to do everything in system dynamics and the way of thinking in system dynamics is completely different of the way of thinking in discrete events or agent based one of the things i always really like when i when i deliver the any logic training and any logic being that software that allows you to do system dynamics and agent based and discrete event is that we build a system dynamics model a traditional one with any logic and we looked at it and then I said, all right, now we're going to build the same model using purely agent-based techniques. And we did that and it showed exactly the same results as you would expect. But then you had the power to change something that you could in, in a thousand years, you couldn't do it in a system dynamics model. And in an agent-based model, it was super simple. It was like a contagious uh, disease kind of stuff. You know, how many people are being um, getting you know, get a disease and with an yeah. age-based model, you can so easily change individual characteristics or anything like that, which is impossible. Yeah, but, and the disease thing is typical in system dynamics. When you start studying it, it's like the first model they show you. Mm -hmm. so, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like in, you, I also did a project when uh, there was a client last year that I had as a freelancer, they were obsessed with doing multi-method simulations. And I don't know why some clients are obsessed with that. It's not the first one. Some, <laughs> some really want to, a multi-method simulation because it's impressive. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And well, I kind of know why it, it looks impressive some, sometimes, but he was obsessed with it. So I said, okay, I will do this part of the model and I will show you the differences between using system dynamics, discrete events, and agent-based. So you, you clearly see the diff, like the, why one is better than the other in certain, in certain occasions. And it was a clear process, so it was an obvious discrete event simulation. Mm -hmm. so I, did, I did the three, the three models. Doing it in system dynamics was so difficult, but I did it anyways. And, <laughs> and, and I showed it, I showed it, it was a huge, it was huge. And it was re really difficult to, to understand the details, like the population, like the, the details of the process. And I showed them and they say, like, yeah, you're right. 
let's mm -hmm. do do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm always when I hear you sort of loosely speaking about your clients and to say they wanted a multi-method model. I'm always really impressed that you actually have clients that know about simulation and even know about multi-method approaches. So how did you, doing your master's, how did you then actually do the next step into becoming a freelancer? Uh, first, uh, my clients are very different than the ones you have in a consulting company. Mm -hmm. So I will explain later why it will make more sense for you to... to to see that they are, they know a little bit of simula of simulations. Mm -hmm. uh, well, like I, I did my after the the master, I did the the thesis with PwC. Then it, there is when I discovered AnyLogic, and I kind of fell in love with that software. I don't know why, but I really liked everything about it. Mm -hmm. I was it was AnyLogic seven at that time, and so I did that. Was that while, while you worked for PwC, while you did your project yeah, with them? I did my thesis, yeah. like my master thesis with them. So yeah, I worked with them. And, uh, and they introduced you to AnyLogic? Uh, they told me, like, you have to use AnyLogic because that's what we use here. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And I was kind of scared because AnyLogic had this reputation of being really difficult to use. <laughs> uh, so I, I said, okay, let's try it. And what I did, like, I did the, everything in any logic. And I, I loved it. And so when I finished that, I started working as a supply chain uh, cons consultant. And, I, and we used Arena there. Okay. And then, then is when I discovered, like, all these things, like, really doing discrete events and agent-based, using also InsightMaker, which is another software online. Mm -hmm. And it, I, started, I started discovering everything by myself, doing the supply chain consultancy where everything was done in Excel. But I disrupted a, a bit some things and started showing simulations and it was quite interesting. What, what kind of supply chain company was it, if you can share that? It was, was it a consulting firm? A, or? Yeah, it's a consulting firm in Chile. Okay, right. It's called Poch. It's an engineering firm. Mm -hmm. And my team was very small, like we were doing consulting, but the main objective of the company was to make engineering projects, so build warehouses and production plants. Right. That's the main objective. And then I worked a little bit in the US for UPMC and Amazon, where I did also simulations. Okay, what's but UPMC? Just to UPMC, UPMC is a health insurance company okay. located in Pittsburgh, US. And Amazon is a big company. I don't know if, if you have heard about it. No, tell me about them. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I, yeah, I did some uh, simulation projects there. Funny thing is I, I wasn't using any logic with these companies. Mm -hmm. I was using other things. So Things they prescribed or th other things you chose? Other things they, like, for example, they had the Arena. Uh, I, I used any logic in, at UPMC because I made them buy it. Okay. Because uh, like when they hired me, I said, either you buy it or I don't accept the job because I want to use any logic. Interesting. And they said yes for cool. some reason. <laughs> and yeah, and the other were using Arena. And in, in Amazon, I was doing a completely different kind of simulations related to training people. So I was using Lectora, 
which is something completely different. Okay. <laughs> like, and it was, it's used to teach people different topics. And it's JavaScript based, so you can you can code a lot of stuff and do some interesting stuff, but it's not really you cannot do a model in the background. So it's like a training software. Yeah. Okay. So but the thing is that when we talk about simulations, is it's good to know that because people in this industry, like you you or people who are listen to this podcast, they know system dynamics, agent-based discrete events, and you talk about simulations and these, like, these three things are the thing. But simulations, like for example, as an electronic engineer, I was doing circuit simulations, like in, in like electric simulations of, of electric networks. Yeah. Uh, These also simulations. In Amazon was doing these training simulations, which is something completely different. And also you have a bunch of other kind of simulations related to engineering. So, yeah, it's, it's so, a, it's a so that's why when, when you say I do simulations, it's just not enough information at all. So how do you brand yourself? Uh, it's always difficult. <laughs> I listened to, to a podcast of yours where you were explaining how you how you talk about this simulation. But at the end, to simplify it, I just say I do business simulations, mm -hmm. manufacturing simulations, even though it's not a complete answer, but it makes it easier for me yeah. just to, to explain it. Yeah, I think business simulation is definitely something, you know, that will raise attention at least. So, oh, business, okay. Hmm. Yeah. What do you simulate because, there? Yeah, exactly. and then you can, you can give some examples. But I discovered through the time that I can only make people understand by making them look at the simulation. Mm -hmm. That's that's where they they really like click and oh this is it. Like explaining it, like I I haven't found the words that explain perfectly what is, what I do. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in, the funny thing is that when you study system dynamics and system dynamics is much more difficult to explain even. Like, the, like in the first classes, they teach you, how do you explain what do you do? Because dynamics <laughs> is so difficult to explain. So a class about how do you explain what you do? <laughs> actually, it's, it's quite difficult to explain it. Yeah. I always um, linked it to, you know, water being poured from one glass into the other. But then again, if you use that to explain what you do, people would just look at you and think, what? <laughs> how is that a job? Yeah, I have a big uh, an example to explain that, but it's very long, so I prefer maybe later uh, if we have time. It's about how you can use Cisnamic to solve the problem of drinking and going home safe, driving your car without being stopped by the police. <laughs> okay, that is very interesting. Maybe we should run a, a bonus episode <laughs> at the end of this way. Explain it. But let's go back to um, you um, sort of working for those companies, um, working with different software packages, and how, what were the next steps then? How did you then okay, start? Okay, so, so during all these years, since I started using AnyLogic in PwC in 2013, I was always, uh, my hobby, which is a weird hobby, is, was to, to decipher AnyLogic's AnyLogic uh, capabilities. 
So I was doing, I was writing down like, what do I need to learn to, to understand different, different things? Like, when do you have to learn the schedule? Uh, when you really start, because it's something you should start like learning in later mm -hmm. or, or these things. And I was also helping people that were doing small, really small projects. I was always doing this. It was a hobby, so I was spending some time like playing with the software and and doing little things. Just <laughs> so let's put that into a real picture. So you, you sit at your Amazon desk eight hours a day, then you go home, and what you do is you fire up your machine and you start any logic again and play with it. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Perfect. Uh, but <laughs> I, but that. I was I was also using any logic in 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 Amazon because I when I wanted to explain something. Uh, more with more details i would do a, a model based mm -hmm. on amazon characteristics and i would show it to people and say hey this is how it works and this is how i can teach them how how it works like doing a a model even system dynamics model I, I would use to to explain like how how the inventory moves depend like i don't know little things mm -hmm. i always uh, like any logic to explain yeah, like the PLE version, the the free version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the free learning version anybody can use anytime. For yeah. Stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was doing that, and I was, and I always tried to find a job in any logic, but I never, I could never do it. And be, uh, except before Amazon, I applied for any logic to work directly in any logic, mm -hmm. and they made me do a test to see if, if I know any logic. It took me 17 hours to, to finish like, the task they, they gave me. <laughs> but at the end, I decided to, to go to Amazon. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's, that was my <laughs> only real option to work in, in any logic directly. And after that, I, like, I quit Amazon because I was quite unhappy in that place. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was doing this, I was starting doing this freelancing at, on the side with, with small projects, maybe for students or master students and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I went to Chile, back to Chile. I was helping my, my family business. And at the same time, I was doing this freelancer thing. And I started, I started being more, more involved in the, in the LinkedIn form of any logic and starting working, like helping people in Stack Overflow. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I, got, I started getting more projects and more projects without even thinking that I was, be, I was going to become a freelancer. I was just doing it for fun, you know? And at some point, like, I remember like in April or March last year, I said, hey, I could do this. I could do only this perfectly. And that's where, when I, I started. But so for, for me, it, became, it was quite organic, right? Because mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. It just came to me. So you, you said you started out with helping out students and master students. And then is it like people came back to you or people referred you and other people approached you and said, oh, you no. helped him, you me as well? well? The thing is that I, I was always um, in... Uh, I, I was always involved in all these freelancer websites. So you have like a right. hundred freelancer websites. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I get a, a lot of jobs from there. Also, they contact me, they contact me on LinkedIn or word of mouth to, because I was doing really cheap work because I was just doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I, I, I got the jobs, right? So on those freelancer websites then, how, you know, I wouldn't even have thought about it because I thought nobody goes there to look for simulation people, right? Yeah, the, the thing is that it's rare. So the only thing, the only way you can make it work is that you are sign, you sign out, you sign in into all of them. And you always get, maybe there's one project per year in each one of them, but if you are, you sign up into 100, you get 100 projects a year. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing. And I also met in, in England, in my trial, I, I met someone who was working in, he was working in, this, in these freelancer sites. And I discovered that there are a lot of hidden freelancer sites that mm-hmm. you're not, they're not obvious to the public. And he showed me to, he showed to me a lot of stuff where you, they they just uh, call you and and you cannot find it online, but they just call you and give give you jobs. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so that's that's how I it start how that's how it started to grow. In fact, so you because could become I, a, a meta consultant now. You could become a consultant to uh, future freelance consultants, helping them sort out the freelance website business stuff. Yeah, I could do that. I, I, I've been thinking about even writing a book, but I've been kind of lazy to do, to okay. do that. And things change all the time. So, Well, when, when I talked to you last time, it didn't sound like you're lazy. Uh, you were saying you have like 10 projects or something at the no, same it's, time. It's, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I'm lazy to do certain things. <laughs> like if I, if I think, you know, I should write a book about this to help people. You have to work on the book, you know? Yeah. Uh, and this doesn't give you money, so it's like you have to be very uh, passionate about it. Yeah, and altruistic. Yeah. So, so where are you at the moment? Then, how is how is your freelancing going? What does it look like? Uh, my freelancer life is I work like as much time as I want, basically, and I work on the beach sometimes if I'm in <laughs> Thailand or something. Because yeah, I haven't told this here, but I, as a freelancer, you can be a freelancer in anything, but I'm a digital nomad, what you could call a digital nomad. So I, since I have this freelancer thing going on, I can be anywhere. So I'm location independent, right? So last year in June, I started traveling I started in Canada, then Europe, then I went to Southeast Asia, and you're living the dream. Yeah, I, I'm. I live in the dream of many people. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> tell me that they want. If you if you ever put out a book, uh, you know that one book. Uh, if you want to learn any logic, there's a book out there called Any Logic in Three Days, and your book could be called Any Logic on the Beach. <laughs> how to learn? The, you know, how to become a freelance consultant working from the beach. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, and yeah, you asked me like <laughs> what I'm doing now is uh, since I have all this freedom, like, because I, when we talked last time, I was telling you that I wanted to uh, make this a 
real company, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and hire people and make this more serious. But the thing is that my freedom is kind of very valuable right now for me. And my life is very good. Mm -hmm. So I, sometimes I work less time and I take less projects. Depending, de depending on where I am, depending on my mood <laughs> and these kind of things. Yeah. And I, I take more interesting projects. I have risen my, my rates to avoid uh, clients that want things too easy. Yeah. Good point. So I'm doing more interesting things, you could say, right now than the projects I was doing maybe one or two years ago. And I think the project will become even more interesting as, as I move forward in time. Right. So if I want to make this a company, I can do it, but I feel that I'm not ready mentally to do it because so, I, li I like a lot the situation right now. So, and why would I change happiness to something <laughs> uncertain? Yeah, I completely agree. I can completely see your point. Um, so what kind of kind of projects are you currently working on in terms of what makes them interesting? Uh, so I, the thing I do the most for, for companies in particular is uh, it, when they are startups or sometimes bigger companies, they want to generally, they have an idea and they want to prove that idea. So mm -hmm. we're not talking about uh, three months projects. We're, we're talking about one month or, or something like that. And so they want to prove this. And if it's, if it's the CEO, he wants to prove to the directory, uh, not the directory, how do you call this? Like the board, uh, the board, the board, the board, the board that to, to get uh, investment or they are a startup and they want to prove their idea and show it to investors. Mm -hmm. And these kind of things for me are quite interesting because uh, it's something new. You have to think a lot of about details and I find it interesting. That, that sounds super interesting. So how does that work out? How do you build a model that convinces a board then? Ah, but that's, <laughs> that's a difficult question. <laughs> I, generally like in this, in this, projects the client is very involved it's not like when when you work in a consulting company and you make a, pro a project for the client the client is not so involved in fact that's my experience at least like they tell you hey do do it and give me the results later right mm -hmm. but here's more uh, the client is always giving opinions and telling you like we we have a lot of, of conversation about how things should go yeah. and how how to do things better and sometimes the client doesn't doesn't know about something and i tell them like uh, how to do it more efficiently or uh, some sometimes they get crazy it's not feasible and we have these conversations mm -hmm. so because if, if since it's something new they have they make their imagination roll all over the place and I have to kind yeah. of keep them in a smaller square yeah. where things are possible. And you know, it's, it, this is something quite unique. I haven't heard about too much that people use simulation to uh, justify startup ideas. 
So how do they how how do the startups get the idea to use simulations for that? Because typically they do it with I don't know, you know, some shitty uh, business reports and some estimates, and ten percent of the population are going to buy this. So let's go with that. Okay, so so there I would say there are two types. One. One type is the ones who know about simulations and they contact me directly. I don't have to make any effort mm -hmm. uh, because they know about simulations, but maybe they know about system dynamics. They know about agent-based and they don't know about the others, right? right? Or sometimes they know about the word simulation and they think, ah, I need a simulation, but I don't know why. It's, I think simulation would be good. Then we have a conversation and I have to explain them what, what are the possibilities with simulations. Mm -hmm. And... And I, I, I never, I, do, I don't try to sell. So I just tell them like exactly where you're, what is possible, what is not possible. And mm -hmm. even though everything is possible, to be honest. <laughs> if you have time. <laughs> yeah. So, and the other kind is the kind who doesn't know about simulation, but uh, I can find them with like certain tag words or like, if they put they need if they put they need a model to to prove an hypothesis or uh, they need a model to they just need a model in excel i can just read a little bit what they need and and if i feel that hey this can be done with simulations much better then i i i am the one contacting them mm -hmm. tell them hey we can do this i showed you i show them some examples and most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, they say, hey, this is awesome, let's do it. Okay. Uh, sometimes, some, but I kind of learn, right now, I, I kind of learn how to, how to read these things because uh, it's, not so, it's not so easy at the beginning just to understand that someone may need simulation even though they're not asking for simulations. Mm -hmm. But it's not so much effort because I just have uh, like filters to, to find these people in the different uh, freelancer websites. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't really make some, a lot of effort. I just receive these things on my feet and I just read if, if I can help them and that's how I go. It still sounds quite impressive to me um, when you say that like 90% of them say that's great, let's do it. Because in my experience, when I do something like that to like McKinsey clients or internal clients, they say, this looks great. This is amazing. I neither have the time nor the budget for this. Let's speak next time. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, you don't have the budget, but the thing is that if you work in a consulting company, you're, you're just too expensive. Like simulations are too expensive, mm -hmm. but I am fast enough to make these things happen in the, at the same speed as you can make uh, an Excel model. So at the end, it would cost maybe a little bit more, but the, the options that you have in a simulation model is, are much more powerful. Yeah, very good point. So, so I, it's strange, but I, I rarely get this budget problem. And I, I, much, I more get, if for the people who, do, who say no, it's like, uh, it's like I don't understand why this would work for me or I prefer to use Excel because I use it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so it sounds like you work on lots of different um, models, lots of different clients and different um, topics. 
do you start from scratch every time or do you start to build a library of objects or some generic model that you reuse every time? How do you manage that? I have, I sometimes I build classes expecting that someday in the future I will use it again, but things are just too different. Right. Like that, that's the difference. Like if you work in a manufacturing company and you do simulations all the time, then you build, you, you, you don't, you kind of repeat things all the time. Right, but in my case, I just don't repeat. I don't see. I don't see a model repeating itself ever. So, yeah. so, so I start from scratch always. Okay. Cool, interesting. Which which sucks a little bit in terms of time, but it's also more fun because this is this is what I do for fun, and I don't care if if it takes more time or not. Like I like to do things that are completely new, also. I'm exactly the same. This for me is always a, the sweetest spot of a project is to start out with a fresh white canvas and let's get going and yeah. not being stuck on a model that I worked on for four months and I just need to refine this extra little bit and test here and test there. So this, so this is the difference with me. Like my projects are one month projects. Mm -hmm. So I never go into the, I heard your, your sim talk with like with Jacob where you were saying the things that you don't like about simulations. And it's funny what everything you, you don't like, like, like validation and find, finding bugs and all these things. I, I don't have them. I just okay. don't have them. Because my models are not big enough to have bugs that are impossible to find. Mm -hmm. So I, I never have bugs problem or, re, or not so many, or I have bug problems, but I don't have like things that I, I spent days trying to solve. Is the reason for that, is it not only that the models are relatively um, small in size, but maybe also that they're not supposed to give exact answers, but maybe more strategic view or help in understanding, as opposed to say, your, your bottom line is gonna be better off by 7.3%. Uh, I don't know, because yeah, maybe maybe that's the reason. And like for for example, yeah. like when you, when you say when you talk about validation, it's generally the client who works on the validation part for me, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because validation is uh, is not a fun part of doing these simulation things. So do you make them do that, or do they sort oh, of they, 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 they kind of they always since I. My clients are more involved than normal clients of consulting companies. They want to do it. Right. And if, if, they, if they, they validate it in different ways uh, and they just tell me if they have something that doesn't make sense for them. And we fix them and, and you fix it that until we get the, well, it's not that I don't do validation. Sometimes I do them. Uh, but in general, like the clients are more involved into that. One thing I can imagine with these kind of projects, especially with startups, uh, super fast paced is scope creep. So how, you know, how do you say it? this is more than I could handle? How do you handle those? Can, can you repeat this? I didn't. So I, I think one of the uh, core problems with these kind of projects that you have with startups is scope creep, where they keep on wanting more, 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 let's do more, more, more. How do you handle that? Uh, they can do as much as they want. It's it, because I generally am paid by the hour. <laughs> ah, I okay. So it, 
it, it doesn't matter. Like the thing that the thing that matters is when they say, "Okay, uh, this is good," and one one month after that they say, "Hey, I need this urgent. Let let's do this." And it takes thirty hours, but I want it tomorrow. Then right. I just manage their expectations, you know. Yeah, and that's it. But I I generally don't have problems uh, with this. Mm -hmm. And do you have uh, are clients coming back to you regularly, or is it? Would you say most of my clients are always new clients? In the beginning, it was always new, and as I've been moving forward, they come back. Cool. So I get repeated clients, and that is good. Even though it's not always good because they want to expand a model that is already a little bit too big for my taste, mm -hmm. and then it becomes dangerous because the possibilities of having problems increase, you know? <laughs> and and I, I also like to start fresh things, as you said. Yeah. So how do we handle that then? Do you say, eh. No, I, I do it all the time. You still do it. Some, even though uh, three or four times I have, I fired a client <laughs> because I, but it's, it's not, many, many times it's not because of the, of the project itself, it's because of their attitude or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I prefer not to work with them and, and then I stop. But it's never because, hey, I don't want to do your project anymore. He yeah. has never been like that. Um, I have two more questions, like, like bland, typical questions, but maybe you have some interesting answers. So what, in, in your freelance career, what were the greatest surprises along the journey? Uh, like surprises, <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe there was a surprise for me in I remember, like September last year. It was a very bad month and I was kind of scared that, oh, this is, this is not going to work. Like it was such a bad month that I didn't, I barely had work. Mm -hmm. And I, I was worried about that, but um, at the end of the month, I got a really big project. And then I was okay again, but I was, I was scared because of the, because this freelancer, freelancer thing is, is just so uncertain, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the, I can get no projects, zero projects in the future, like at any given point, right? You, don't, you never know. That might be a nice uh, segue to sort of your judgment of the industry in general. Um, where is it at the moment and where do you see it in the coming months or years? So I see that, I see that the, the, the number of projects related simulations is increasing, like in, in all the platforms I use. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it has maybe doubled since last year which is quite, quite interesting. That, that definitely is interesting. What, what uh, is it? Like, but what, when I say, what I'm saying is doubling, it's just, an, an, it's just my feeling. Maybe it's like 20% more or 30% yeah. more, but I feel, I feel that it's a lot more, like a lot. But are you, would you say that it's um, new companies that now have heard about simulation and think it's useful? Or is it more the people that want an Excel model and you think uh, a simulation would actually help them much more? I think it's more like people who know about simulations. I, I, I'm making less efforts trying to find people who don't, who don't like about simulations, who don't know about simulations. Okay. And I see more people, 
more people knowing about it and more, more companies hiring freelancers to do these things. The, like, the, the reason they hire me is because they don't know if they, if they can do simulations in their company, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to test that and maybe later they hire someone, right? Uh -huh. Very cool. And so that's, that's my, like my market in, in fact. Yeah. And how do you, um, how do you see the simulation community and sort of its way into the future? Any, uh, any advice on how people should change or adapt, you know, move into the AI frontier or virtual reality or whatever, any kind of passwords? How do you see all that? Uh, yeah. yeah, you like artificial intelligence, right? Uh, yeah, I like it too. Like I, I have a, a, a few projects that I, where I was, I had the possibility of doing artificial intelligence uh, using any logic also, like artificial intelligence background. Mm -hmm. But I'm always kind of scared of doing, of using deep learning because you never know if you will get a really good behavior of the system or not. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of scared about that. And I think I have a strong feeling that I need to put my teeth on, on, that, on that area because uh, I see a lot of opportunities to mix this, these two worlds. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, just, I just have been scared because if I risk a project doing deep learning, I can... I can fail and then I have to start again with something more simple. But wh why are you so hung up on deep learning? When, when I talk to data scientists, they typically, like data scientists who apply it in the real world, like consultant data scientists, they basically say 90% of real world problems, you don't need deep learning. You just do it with a standard regression or, well, regression. I'm not stuck. I, I just see that I have the feeling that it's something I need to, to do in future projects because if you have the opportunity to do it and it will have a better result. But for example, I had I had this project with path planning in mining where cars there they were a bunch of cars going going around and they could crash, right? Mm -hmm. So it's obvious for me it's obvious you sh you should use deep learning for that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's that's my feeling. There's, I, I don't see any way better than, than artificial intelligence to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So, but it's, there's a risk because there was a risk in this particular project because it was so flexible with roads of different sizes, different configurations that I, the, the testing I would need to do to train, like the training I would need to do for the, for the artificial intelligence would, I, I think would be bigger than what my computer can handle. <laughs> so, so that's why that's why I I didn't I didn't dare. I think, to... Yeah, with deep learning, you definitely need some cloud power. It's just even the simplest things are ridiculous to yeah. do. So, so at the end, I I did just an algorithm that solves the problem in a pseudo optimal way, mm -hmm. which was good enough for the client, but it's not perfect. You know? right. So yeah, you you're right that m most of the problems can be solved by just a simple regression. And, and then you, and there you go, but there are more complex projects. Like I, I was, I, I have a three or four projects that were extremely complex, and I had to create. I had to choose either creating an algorithm using my own intelligence or using artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I, I never, 
and I trust more my my intelligence than than risking uh, the the requirements of like cloud computing. Yeah, I've been there as well. And for me, it's uh, it's typically I, I do that decision to trust my own algorithms more. Just I think more because I'm not too experienced with the machine learning approaches. Um, so it, my view would be that then would need to be some support from simulation software vendors making it much easier to integrate, you know, easily pull in some machine learning libraries or something and click play and use that for the simulation. So I don't have to do it manually and learn all that separately. What, what is holding you back? What is making you trust your own models more? No, it's just it's the, same, the same reason. Like I, I've done some, some things with machine learning. I did this, I had a data science specialization and I, I did, I was a machine learning teacher, <laughs> a teacher assistant, not teacher. And so I know about it, but I know also how the, the, they, the project can fail because you don't train the system correctly. Yeah. And the thing is that if you put that in a simulation model, if it fails, it's not nice at all. It's really <laughs> not nice. And you can fail one time because you had a weird scenario that was out of, of your training uh, scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you're gone. You, your client don't trust you anymore. Yeah. But if you, if you do your own, then you think about all the possibilities and just, just uh, go with something safe. So I, I go with something safe, but it's just because I'm, I'm scared, I think. So how could, uh, how could that change in the next 10 years? What would be your, your ideal world? How could software vendors or the community itself overcome our individual fear of using it? I don't know. Like maybe, maybe any logic can, can have a, like, no, I really don't know. <laughs> like, it, is, it is a tough question. Like, it's, just, it's just that I, we need, like, already, if you think about it, simulation ex experts already need to learn too many things. It's mm -hmm. just too, too broad. It's getting crazy a little bit. <laughs> and and so many times you have to use Python or R to analyze your data before you put it into the model, or you have to learn about the optimization because the optimization engine of the logic maybe doesn't work for you. You have to create a new one. Yeah. That's, that's what Amy Greer said on, on one of the previous episodes, right? We are so multitasking already. Yeah. So and if you take over that, you have to be an artificial intelligence expert. Yeah. Better than the, that's the thing is that if you're working as a, as a solo artist in this thing, like we simulations modelers always do, it's not, it's, it's not right. But if you have a team, then you can you can work much better. Like yeah. you have you have an arti artificial intelligence expert who helps a group of simulation models to to build the things that they need to build. Because it's not very often that you need it at this point, but you still need it. Yeah, it would be nice because the thing is that you need to when when you try artificial intelligence, you need kind of it's like a a, a test. It's, you're not 100% sure that it's going to be successful at the end. It's like when you have a, a artificial intelligence to, to check if a picture has your face in it, if it fails, then what do you do? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter most of the time, 
but in a simulation project, it matters. Yeah. Because then you have an error and then what? <laughs> cool. Um, Philippe, I have one final question um, that might be interesting to a lot of listeners. And that's if you have any advice for others who might want to start doing that, you know, start out as a freelancer themselves. I, I do have that question quite regularly of people from my network. Like, how can I, how can I do that? How can I become a freelance consultant in simulation? First, you have to compete against me, and that's quite hard already. <laughs> but but uh, if you so first, you need to be really good in any logic, very good because uh, if you start doing projects incorrectly, because you're alone, like as a freelancer, you're alone. You are you you have no time to no no tutor to help you do your projects. So you have to be really good and. Because if you start failing projects, you get bad reviews because all these, all these, all these uh, freelancer pad platforms, they, they give you reviews. And mm -hmm. if you have bad reviews, you're dead. Right. Yeah. And so that's the thing. That's the first thing. You, because many, many people just want to do simulations and they don't know how to do them very well. They just want to do them. And I think it's better to, to just go to a company and, and learn in logic in, in a company. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a freelancer, then you have to be good. If you want to be successful. For me, yeah. it's, for me it's still difficult. And, and I rarely have problems. Like I rarely have uh, doubt. I, I never don't know how to do something. Mm -hmm. Or rarely. Yeah. And, and if, in terms of competing against you, I, I think we could probably rephrase that you, they could <laughs> collaborate with you as well. <laughs> uh, if yeah, that, I mean, I mean, I've been thinking about that. Uh, I will have to find someone who wants to collaborate. I've been so. So I also have students that, but because my my clients are not all, all only companies, I also have students. Uh, I I do trainings mm -hmm. uh, sometimes. I I support people on their projects. For example, if some some people are are working in their company doing a simulation, and I help them. Uh, with their simulation, basically. Cool. If, whenever they have doubts, they come to me and I solve problems that it takes eight hours for them to do it. And sometimes I solve the problem in 10 minutes. Yeah. So, so I do that. I also, have, I also support master students uh, in, their, in their thesis when they want to apply simulations. I PhD students for, mm -hmm. the, same, for the same reasons. Uh, so to help these kind of people, you need to know, like you cannot have a, a free, you, you can't expect being a freelancer, you get your first project and someone asks you a question and you, and you just don't know or you know how to do it and then you go to Stack Overflow and try to solve the, and it's always like me, you or a couple of other people <laughs> who, who answer this. And also like, I think to be a freelancer, you need to be involved in the community a lot. Mm -hmm which means that you need to start helping people for free. Yeah. And the reason you have to do that is because the more you help people for free, the more you learn how to do things. So, because when you help someone for free, there's no cost. If you fail, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but if, you, if you manage to do it, you get a lot of, a lot of knowledge and then you, you make your, the person happy and that person might be the one 
who hires you or, or who knows someone who will hire you. Yeah. I, I've been part of the community for, I don't know how long, like a long time. I help people in, in the forum. I help people in Stack Overflow, which you could say that at the end is kind of a marketing strategy that mm-hmm. I, I, even though I wasn't using it as a marketing strategy, but it's at the end, it is a market to help people is a marketing, right? Definitely. At the that's, end. That's how I, I noticed you. It's like, oh, this guy pops up a lot. Who is he? Let's reach out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how we met. So, cool. so that's the thing, like being really good, like learning the things right, like correctly, possibly all, all the libraries of any logic, if mm-hmm. possible. Uh, being very involved in the community, helping people. And, and then when you feel comfortable, you can start uh, using the platforms, all the freelancer platforms. I don't want to do, name any of them because you can just uh, find, like search on Google freelancer platforms and you will get a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> but the most known are freelancer.com, uh, Guru, Upwork. Uh, those are, I think, the most f- Fiverr. So to wrap this up, Philippa, how can people reach you if they are, if they want to follow up, if they are interested in any, any other thing, or if they want to reach you to actually get some work from you? How do you best get in touch with you? Uh, I think the best way is through LinkedIn. Okay, cool. And I have a website that I did build, but it's kind of a work in progress, I think. Okay, <laughs> but, but LinkedIn is the, is the best way, I think. All right, brilliant. Cool. Thank you so much, Philippe, for your time. For me, that was definitely super interesting. There were lots of uh, things even I didn't know, although we have chatted before. So thanks a lot for sharing this. Um, and uh, thank you for inviting me. It was, oh, it was cool about talking about simulations. It's not something you can do every day. Like, and it's it's fun to have someone who who likes the topic, and if people are interested. Yeah, better. it definitely is fun. I had two very interesting talks within the last two weeks. I had a, a friend from Nine Network coming to Berlin, so we chatted about simulation in a beer garden in Berlin. And then just last week I was in Portugal and one of my former co-workers was in the vicinity. So we literally sat on the beach and talked about any logic as well. Which will probably <laughs> happen between the two of us at some point as well. I come to Thailand. Yeah, I'm going to Berlin in <laughs> Oh right, brilliant. In, right. That, in let, definitely let me go. So we can Talk about simulations there. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Philippe. Okay, thank you. Cheers.